Go ahead and take your seats. As you do that, open up to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're picking up where we left off, where Pastor Ian left off last week, where we began to see in this book that Ecclesiastes is all about those, those fundamental, deep questions of life. Those questions that you and, and I and everybody else in this world ponder and reflect upon. Questions like, what is the purpose of my life? What, what is the meaning of all of this? What are we all doing here anyways? And why does it even matter? And we saw in the beginning verses of chapter 1, the preacher who we believe is Solomon, showing us how he had been contemplating these extremely weighty realities and he'd been considering the, the brevity of life, how we're here today and gone tomorrow, and yet how at the same time, as, as life passes us by, everything just seems like the same thing happening over and over again. And he's expressing the weariness of it all. And he shows how he found himself in this place of, of thinking, what's the point? What's the point? Is, is there any real significance to life anyways? And anyone who picks up this book immediately identifies with the preacher because you see and you know that these are universal concerns. All people of, of all time have these inner questions of the heart. This is part of what it means to be human, to desire to know and to understand purpose and meaning in life. And what we're going to see this morning and over the course of the next uh, few messages is the preacher describing for us the different kinds of specific pursuits that he goes on to try and, and find significance in this life. And the first door that he knocks on, the first, the first path that he goes down to try and find ultimate meaning in his life is wisdom. Wisdom. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe getting more and more knowledge is what I need to help me understand the significance of my life. Maybe if I only knew. Right? And we all resonate with this as well. If, if, if I only knew more, if I only knew what others knew, if I only knew all the answers to all of my questions, if I only knew, if I only knew then, I would understand significance, then I would be happy. Well, what we're going to see is that Solomon's quest for wisdom is actually a quest for worldly wisdom. And that all his seeking doesn't yield the results he wishes they would. The longing in his heart for significance isn't going to be found this way. Instead, he's going to find that this pursuit leaves him joyless and hopeless and fruitless. And yet, the reason that the preacher wrote what he wrote, the reason why we have this text before us this morning is because he wants to warn us, don't go down this same path. Learn from the error of my ways. The wisdom of this world will never satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. The preacher has learned this and he wants us to learn too. And so look with me at verse 12 of chapter 1. We'll begin by reading verses 12 and 13. God's word says, 
I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Here we see the first lesson is this. Learn the unhappy search of wisdom. Learn the unhappy search of wisdom. The preacher begins this next section of the Word in a very similar way as he did the beginning of the book by stating his credentials. He lets us know that he's writing as king over Israel in Jerusalem. And he does this, you know, not to boast. He's not trying to draw attention to himself in some grandiose way. You know, he's not trying to put himself, his glory on display. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You know, it's really interesting that Solomon here in this book shows us the folly and the frustration and the failure of his life. That's not what kings would normally do, especially in his context. Kings, kings would leave out those kinds of things from their story and they would publish this propaganda to show how great they are and how, how perfect they were and how nothing bothered them. But not Solomon. He, he writes and he tells us that he's king over Israel and Jerusalem for a different reason. He wants to make sure that we understand That if anybody had opportunities to explore to the ends of the earth the wisdom and the knowledge that this world had to offer, it's him. If it was to be had, if it was to be found, then Solomon had the means to find it. He had the position, he he had the power, he had the the resources, he had the riches, he had the, the servants he could send. And so he goes for it. He sets out on this road to discovery thinking, if I only knew, if I only knew everything that was going on in this world, then I would be able to figure out life's significance. I'll find the meaning and the the purpose behind life and I'll be able to fulfill the desires of my soul. And in verse 13, we learn a number of things about this search. First, we see that Solomon's quest was sincere. He set his whole heart to this task. See, it says he applied his heart to seek and to search out. His whole inner being was devoted to this cause in earnest. It wasn't a lukewarm effort by any means. We also see that his quest was comprehensive. He left no stone unturned. He, he sought and he searched all That is done under heaven. This means in the whole world. He went far and wide to try and find life's answers. He wanted to see how did other wise men and wise women deal with the deepest questions about meaning and purpose in life. We need to also understand that his quest was commendable in a certain way. He makes a comment here in verse 13 about God busying the children of man with this task. And and there's some truth to that. There's truth to what he's saying. God does task us with searching out for knowledge and for wisdom. 
God has designed us to ask the ultimate questions of life. He, he wants us to ponder and to reflect upon these things. The problem was, for Solomon, his quest was misdirected. He thought he could find ultimate fulfillment and significance if he just looked extensively enough around the world. And yet he comes to see that he was looking in all the wrong places. He acknowledges that that God had been the one behind his desires, but he hadn't gone to God to fulfill those desires. He's trying to resolve life's most important issues without God. And he's going to find out that under heaven, it's impossible to know our significance. And because his quest was misdirected in the end, it leaves him miserable. It's an unhappy business, he says. The Bible teaches what one writer says, that deep within each human being, God implants the urge to seek the truth. As sinful human beings, however, the desired result comes with frustration and failure. Without God, the quest for truth and for eternity is fruitless. Solomon accumulates all this worldly wisdom and still his heart aches. He comes to the same conclusions as multitudes before him came to and multitudes after him have come to. That this pursuit for wisdom, if it's found in worldly wisdom, is empty. What's the point, he says? I've looked far and wide, and I'm not truly happy. He thought, if I only knew. And yet he learned that the wisdom of this world will never satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Now you might be sitting here this morning thinking, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. I would never look to the wisdom of the world to try and fulfill the deepest longings of my soul. And to that I just say, be careful. Okay, be careful. There may be subtle ways that you're doing this very thing and not even realizing that this is the reason that you sometimes find yourself so discouraged in life. Often, the unintended influence of worldly wisdom creeps in without us even noticing. can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen you know, so-called deep and, and meaningful words Statements about truth and life, meaning and purpose, you know, on the walls of, of Christian homes or, or the walls of Christian, you know, Facebook or, or something online. Maybe it's been implanted in your heart from, from some favorite song or book that you've read or, or a line from a movie you've seen or, or something you've heard somebody else say and you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Listen, be careful. Be careful about what is influencing your heart when it comes to the deepest purpose and meaning and significance in life. Always be asking, 
Where am I looking for knowledge and understanding? How is, is this, this, this truth that you may be clinging to, influencing the way that you view life's deepest answers? Some of you are here this morning and you're avoiding with great resistance pondering the deep questions of life. You're busying yourself with all sorts of distractions, all sorts of other pursuits to to keep from thinking about your own life and death and the significance of everything. Could I just submit to you that this passage we're looking at this morning is evidence to you that if you just spend even a little bit of time lingering over the thought of your own life, the significance of the meaning of your own life and and death, then things will get pretty miserable pretty quickly. None of us can avoid what I like to call those, you know, head on the pillow, can't sleep at night, what in the world does all this mean kind of times. Listen, you need to realize that God put these questions in your heart. The longing to understand what's really going on is there intentionally by your Creator. You're meant to seek after true wisdom and understanding. Others of you are are seeking, but you're seeking the way that Solomon sought in this passage. You're studying all the philosophy and you're pursuing all the personal improvement and the spirituality and and the self-reflection books, the poetry, whatever it is. You're having long discussions with friends. Maybe you're talking to people all over the world. And you're buying into the lie that it's out there somewhere. You know, you just have to find it. If, if you only knew, if you only knew, then you'd be happy and you would find significance for your life. And I just need to tell you this morning, listen, it's only going to end in frustration. This is what God wor- God's Word tells us. It leads to emptiness and unhappiness. You say, well, maybe there's just something I'm not seeing. Maybe, maybe there's some wisdom out there that provides the answers I need and I just haven't found it yet. No. No. Look down at verse 14. Solomon says, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. Here we come to see the second lesson the preacher wants us to learn, and it's this, learn the unchanging limits of wisdom. Learn the unchanging limits of wisdom. The preacher exhausted his search. To a degree, he sufficiently examined the four corners of the globe looking for wisdom and looking for understanding. And what happened? It wasn't enough. It wasn't to be found there. He searched far and wide to find something, anything of lasting value, and he comes up empty it's all vanity he says it's all meaningless there's nothing there the wisdom of this world 
will never fulfill the deepest longings of your soul. We've had some pretty interesting weather this week, haven't we? There's been some mild days, there's been some bitterly cold days, there's been some pretty serious wind. One night I went to leave my house, I opened the big door and I went to push on the glass door and it was like someone was standing there pushing against it, holding it open. One afternoon Mark and I left the church office and we, we walked, as soon as we walked outside it was, it was cold, it was windy, you know, you just hear it howling and Mark made some comment about the wind, and, and I looked at him in an all serious, in, in the most serious voice I could. I said, hey, can you stop it? And he looks at me, and he says, what, the wind? <laughs> I said, yeah, just can you stop? Can you make it stop? And he looked at me with this look on his face, and I just said to him, that's right. You can't do it, and neither can you find satisfaction in this life from worldly wisdom. It's <laughs> good, right? I was in the text. That's what, that's what Solomon means here. It's striving after the wind. This, this word striving, it means to shepherd or to chase after. And Solomon says, I, I, tried, I tried to find the significance of my existence by understanding the ways of this world. And even though I saw everything that could be seen, I may as well have been trying to control the weather. It's impossible trying to use this world's wisdom to gain ultimate fulfillment in this life is like trying to grab wind by its tails or tell it to stop blowing or to blow warmer or to blow in a different direction. It's not going to work. Solomon thought, if, if I only knew, then he found out how inadequate and limited worldly wisdom truly is. It's so limited that he fleshes this out for us with A timeless proverb in verse 15. Look at this. It says, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. In this proverb, we learn two ways that the wisdom of this world is limited and will always let us down. First, we learn this. I cannot fix life's problems. I cannot fix life's problems. What's crooked, I can't straighten. God wants us to realize that we are not meant to figure everything out. That's what this means. There are things, many things, that are twisted and distorted. Life doesn't add up most of the time. Things aren't working the way that they're supposed to be working. And it's like this because we live in a broken world. And so there's going to be a whole lot that I can't make sense of. There's always something we wish we could bend back into shape, but we can't. Problems we can't fix. Pressures that we can't escape. We're just not able to unravel the chaos and put the pieces back in order. There isn't enough wisdom to be found in this world to make right all the wrongs. We also see in this proverb, that I cannot find life's answers. What is lacking cannot be counted. It says life is daunting when we don't get all the answers we'd like to have. And in this proverb, we come face to face with the reality that it's futile to even attempt to know everything anyways. We're just too limited. This world is too limited. 
And even if all the wisdom in the world could help us figure life out, there's no way that we could ever attain to that much knowledge anyways. There's always going to be more that we can't find and we can't see. There's too much we don't know. And again, this is by God's design. And someone once ridiculed me. I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, for not knowing something that they were talking about. You know, we were in, in, in a circle. They said something. I asked a question, and the look on their face was as if I was some kind of idiot for asking this question and not knowing something that I had absolutely no interest or experience in. And I remember, you know, I don't, I don't think I was as offended as I was just baffled that they were so surprised that I didn't know. And I, I didn't say anything. I think I was rather speechless. And, and later on, I, I, I was, you know, you, re- you rehearse these things in your mind and you think, oh, I should have said, you know, and I thought, I, I should have said, hey, can you just tell me the uh, similarities and differences between uh, molecular and supramolecular chemistry? Or maybe you could tell me which uh, governmental policies in Uganda have most affected the welfare of impoverished children there over the last 50 years. Or maybe you could tell me why there's two different subspecies of white rhinoceroses in the world and one's endangered but the other one's not. Right, just to kind of keep them on their toes and say, well, what, you don't know everything either? Thomas Jefferson once said, he who knows best knows how little he knows. It's true, right? And perhaps, you know, maybe someone does know, maybe you know all the answers to those questions, but if I took three coins out of my pocket and I gave them to you and said, can you tell me how many coins I didn't give you? What would you say? There's no possible way you could know how many coins there are in this world (laughs) that I didn't give to you. That's his point here. We just can't know. And in all seriousness, you know, the the best question I could possibly have asked such a person was, hey, can you just tell me where I can find meaning and purpose in this life? Do you know where ultimate significance can be found in this life that is passing away? One writer said this, Philip Ryken, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, he said, Life is like an account that refuses to balance. We can tell there's a deficit, but we can't figure out exactly what it is. And even when we make an adjustment to get everything to add up correctly, deep down we know that somehow we are fudging the figures. Listen, the wisdom of this world can never fulfill the deepest longings of your soul. You can never know all the answers that this world has to offer. And even if you did, you still wouldn't be able to make sense out of the deepest questions that your heart is asking. Well, maybe there's still just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Maybe there's something else I could still search for. Good question. Let's... Let's keep reading verse 16. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom 
and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. Here the preacher wants us to learn third. Learn the unending source of wisdom. Learn the unending source of wisdom. We come to these verses and it's starting to sound a little bit repetitive, isn't it? If I only just knew a little bit more, if I only knew just exactly where to look. The preacher thought that the source of wisdom must be somewhere in this world and finally he came to realize that this is a never-ending pursuit. Around and around he goes, searching for more and more wisdom and knowledge. He acquires plenty of it. He even thinks maybe the key to a better grasp of life significance is to understand madness and folly, and yet still the same results. It's all striving after the wind. He sees again the wisdom of this world will never fulfill the deepest longings of your soul. Everything he learns brings him back to the same conclusion. Humanly speaking, there's no way out of this pit into which he's fallen. Every new bit of information that he acquires only plunges him deeper and deeper into hopelessness. This is the point of the second proverb here in verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. He actually comes to find out that gaining more of this kind of wisdom that he's been seeking only ends counterproductively. The more he knows, the more miserable he gets because it just can't satisfy. Another writer said this, he said, man's increase in knowledge and philosophies tend to increase his problems, not solve them. Hatred increases. Misunderstanding increases. Conflict and war increase. Drunkenness increases. Crime increases. Mental breakdowns, family problems increase. And they increase not only in number, but also in extent and severity. As his dependence on wisdom increases, so do his problems. This is what this proverb is teaching us. Trying to find the source of wisdom in this world just leaves you empty, leaves you wanting, it leaves you miserable. And thankfully, eventually, even though we don't see it immediately in these verses, the preacher learns that he's been on a spiritual journey apart from God. He's seeking fulfillment under the sun. And yet he would only ever find it from the one who made it all. The true source of wisdom. Eternal God. I told you these next um, few weeks are going to be a running theme of, of Solomon explaining to us the different kinds of pursuits that he 
takes to find satisfaction, fulfillment for his soul. But I want you to look just down at chapter 2, verse 26, to see where all this is heading. Preacher says, for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. Eventually, he's going to get there, okay? Eventually, he's going to find out that the link to knowing the true significance of his life isn't in the wisdom of this world, nor in anything else, but in the wisdom of God. This is the trajectory of all his disappointment. It's intended by God to produce within him a shift in where he's seeking to find the answers to life's biggest questions. The emptiness of the wisdom of this world is meant to point us to the wisdom of God. It's not that the Word of God teaches us not to pursue wisdom. It teaches us to pursue wisdom in the right place. And as God's revelation unfolds, we see more and more precisely what wisdom from Him truly looks like. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Go over to the New Testament. Find Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And we're going to look for a moment at chapter 1, beginning in verse 17. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And listen, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not come to know God, sorry, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and what? The wisdom of God. Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And we have a choice to make. Either it's the wisdom of this world or it's the wisdom of God. And we can't have both because each one makes the other void. It's not the wisdom of the world that we need. It's the wisdom of God. It's His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He sent into the world. In Him, all of life's deepest questions about meaning and purpose and significance are answered. Solomon said it. He said there's nothing new Under the sun. The wisdom of this world could never fulfill the longings of your soul. Not in his day. Not in the days of Adam. 
and Eve, not in Paul's day with the Corinthians, and not in our day. Like everyone else, we're just passing through this world and we need to have the right perspective. We need to keep last things first, amen? It's the only message. It's only this message that God sent His Son into the world to save sinners. That will ever give us the answers our hearts are looking for. This is where we find life significance. Gaining this kind of wisdom transforms misery into joy. It's what offers fulfillment as opposed to always falling short. It brings finality to the maddening repetition of life. All the empty pursuits ultimately point us to the one in whom we find our significance. Only Jesus fulfills the deepest longings of our soul. Gaining Christ, the wisdom of God, means you don't need to fudge the numbers. Philip Ryken goes on to say, you can leave the final calculations to Jesus. He will make sure all the books balance in the end, including your personal account, which he reconciled with his own blood. I love that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never known the wisdom of God in Christ. Maybe you came today thinking, if I only knew, God, what are the answers to life's deepest questions? Well, today you can know. Today you can know that the answers to life's deepest questions are found in the Son of God who came into this world to die on the cross so that you could find forgiveness. So that the record of debt could be nailed to the cross. Your record of debt paid in full by the blood of the eternal Son. And He was raised to life that you too might have life eternal. This could be the significance of your life. You can exchange your pursuit of looking for all the answers somewhere on this earth. And you can find the answers in the Word of God. The Son of God. Whether you're 10 years old and you're just starting to figure out that life doesn't make any sense. Or you're 100 years old and you've searched over and over year after year for these answers. God says, come today and find true wisdom in Jesus Christ. You know, in just a few moments, we're going to respond in worship. And, and if this is you this morning, you can bow your head right in your seat and you can say, God, I'm done looking for wisdom in this world. I'm done looking to find significance for my life and all the places that I've never been able to find it. And I realize now I never will. God, give me this wisdom from above. Make me to know your Son, Jesus Christ, and to trust in Him for everlasting life. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Christ and you've, you've heard this message, you've seen the words on these pages, you may need to repent this morning. You, you may need to go before the Lord and confess, God, I, I, even though I know you, I've been looking for satisfaction and fulfillment. I've been looking to find my life significance in other places in this world and not in you and in your Son. Forgive me. Listen, as, as we are reminded 
this morning of this contrast between worldly wisdom and the wisdom of God, let that drive us to exalt all the more in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ is enough. We don't need any other answers. All we need is Christ Jesus. Nothing in this world could ever satisfy. Everything we need is found in Him. Christ is enough. I'm just going to ask the worship team if you'll come now. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. We're going to respond in worship together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we've seen the truth from your word this morning. God, there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy the longings of our heart. God, I pray for those in this room that need to learn that for the first time today. God, would you show them the joy that can be found in in gaining the wisdom that is not of this world, but that is from heaven. Lord, and for, for those of us who know you, would you spur our hearts more and more to exalt the wisdom that we've come to know is true, Lord. The power of God, the message of Jesus Christ that we've come to believe. Lord, may we be driven to forsake the answers that the world is offering and and from seeking those things. And may we seek your face and your face only. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.